Good morning, First Lutheran Church. It's good to see you. And happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there. Uh, I, I really enjoy Father's Day um, for a lot of reasons. One, I, I love my dad. Uh, and I also uh, love the, the metaphor uh, that, that a good father on this, that a good worldly father has with our Heavenly Father. Now, I, I do want to point out that I realize that there are a lot of fathers out there who flunked. You know, a lot of fathers who do not represent our Heavenly Father. And I just want to remind you today, don't let those fathers damage your image of the Heavenly Father of God. Instead, see the image of God, understand who God is, and then let that show you what a father should be to his kids. See, a father doesn't necessarily have to be your biological dad. The definition for a father, of course, you know, according to biology, is the person who, who helps, who, who is a part of giving birth to this child, who helps create it. But there's also another definition, a, a couple lines down, if you look it up, and it's someone who protects something or someone, someone who provides safety, someone who cares for someone. I want to ask you, who, who is that? How do you feel when you're around them? See, I love my dad because it's exactly who he is for me. He protects me. I'm safe when I'm around him. He cares for me. And he loves me. Right now, I, I'm, I'm living away from my parents. They live down in Des Moines. And so I'm getting used to what life, and you know, I went to college, and, I, and so I was used to that. But, but still, getting used to life without him always around. We still hang out every now and then. I'll put a couple pictures on the board here. Um, on the right, there is uh, my pops on the bottom with uh, us three kids um, on his back. I love that picture. Um, because it reminds me of how cute I once was in my life. Uh, and then on the left, there's my dad and I more recently. We still hang out. Um, we go to NASCAR races together, stuff like that. It's a, it's a really good time. I love my dad. We spend time together. I love him because he loves me, because he showed me that he deserves my love. I want to remind you that's who God is for us. See, one of my earliest memories of life I was either two or three years old, but I, I remember this accident. It was the first time I was scared. I got in these water shoes, and I thought they were really cool, and, and I guess I didn't really understand that you wear them in a pool. I was wearing them just all the time around the house. I remember thinking, okay, they look like track shoes to me. They're thin and no laces, different stuff like that. So, so that's what it made me think of. And So I'm running around the house, and when I get to the family room, I know that there's the fireplace at the end of the family room. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, well, I don't want to run into that, so I'm going to come to a complete stop right away. So when three-year-olds run, you know, it, it's a little out of control. So it's like, you know what I mean? And so when you try to stop like that, it doesn't work so well. So when I tried to stop, shoes started to slip off. Instead of just running into the fireplace with my chest or stomach, which, yes, would have hurt, I slammed my head into the fireplace. And blood immediately flows out. Nice visual for a Sunday morning. So, and I was scared. I was horrified. It's my first memory of where I was ever fearing for my life. I was worried about what my future might hold. I was asking my mom about this story earlier this week just to make sure I had all the details. And she told me the scariest part is when I, when I looked up and I said, is Jesus taking me to his castle? 
<laughs> That's the last thing you probably want to hear from your three-year-old. And, but what I remember the most from that is crying, being so upset. But then a peace came on me. Because my dad picked me up. He held me. And I, I can still see this in my mind. I, I still see it so clearly. I remember seeing my blood dripping on his neck. And him just saying, I know. I'm bawling. I know. I know. I'm here. I got you. I got you. I didn't worry. It hurt. <laughs> the pain freaked me out. But I was no longer afraid of what was going to happen to me. Because my dad had me. See, in those moments, it's really easy to hear Jesus' commandment in Matthew 6.25, don't worry. Because when we have someone there that we can trust to protect us, there's no need to. But in everyday life, you know, I'm living without my dad around, We've got great mentors, great people surrounding me, but, you know, without my dad, without my mom, there to protect me. And not necessarily in a physical sense anymore, but from the dangers of the world. That's a little harder to follow. Because Jesus says, therefore I tell you, don't worry about your life. Well, that's pretty bold. <laughs> what do you mean, don't worry about my life? Do you know everything that happens in my life? It's impossible to not worry a little bit, right? I mean, that, that's what we say in our head. I mean, think about what's on your mind when you're coming into church today. <laughs> you know, what are the things that you're holding on to? What are you uncertain about in the future? For me, after I get home this afternoon, um, I'm going to have to sit down and translate an Exodus passage uh, for my Hebrew class. And then I have to write a devotional over this Hebrew passage. So I'm writing, I'm translating a language that I don't fully understand. I'm writing a devotional over a language that I don't fully understand. And I'm trying, but I'm a little worried about how that's going to work out. I'm trying. I'm trying, but I, I don't know how I'll handle it. Jesus says, don't worry. Come on, How? How am I supposed to not worry? Clearly, you must be exaggerating, right? I mean, think about it. What are you holding on to today? For some of you, it's my house is a mess. For some of you, my car is falling apart. Or the new car that I bought, it's not half as cool as I thought it would be. I feel like I'm getting out of shape, but I don't have time to get back in it anyway. Actually, now that I mention it, I don't think I even like the way I look at all. I'm worried about my retirement. I'm worried about my kids. Are they behaving in school? Are they living their lives right? Did I raise them well? If you're a kid, why aren't my parents understanding me? Why are we not getting along? See, there are the deeper things, too. I'm frustrated at my job, some of you might say. But I'm afraid to lose this job because I got bills to pay. And I got to support my family. Speaking to my family, we're not seeing eye to eye at all. My spouse isn't happy with me. Or maybe for you it's, I don't have a spouse, and I'm really worried that I'll never find one. My loved one is sick, or maybe I'm sick. Are you noticing a theme here? Our fear develops. Worry shows up when there's this uncertainty about our future. 
It's the story of our life. We're on one page, and we're just, I just want to see what's on the next. Am I going to be okay? I just want to see what's in the next chapter. Am I going to be all right? What about the end of the book? How does this end for me? It's the story of our lives. It matters to us. And it's tough to deal with not knowing what comes next. But Jesus says, don't worry. Now the thing is, not worrying wouldn't be an issue if we knew how the book ended, right? If we knew for sure that that was going to be okay. It's not even necessarily that we have the problems. It is that we don't know what's going to happen. What makes uncertainty uncertain is that we don't know what's happening. Don't worry. Don't worry. Well, what do you mean, don't worry, Jesus? What do you mean? How can you possibly say that? In fact, that sounds a little bit insensitive. <laughs> it sounds like when I'm spilling my problems on someone and they're just not listening, and I, oh, what? Oh, yeah, 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 don't worry about it. <laughs> no, that's not what Jesus is saying. Take a look. There's a difference between worry and caution. Jesus doesn't say ignore your problems. Jesus doesn't say don't be cautious, don't be careful. That's not what he says. I mean, I don't think that there's anything in Jesus' teaching that would say you shouldn't put on your seatbelt. I don't think that there's anything that says when you get sick, you shouldn't follow the methods to get you better. I think that I think that it's a good thing when you exercise. I think that it's a good thing when you stretch before you exercise. We need to control some of the things that we can to prevent further damage in the future. What we can control, it's why you put a leash on your dog at the park. I mean, this isn't anything new, but I saw it recently. It's why some people put a leash on their kid at the park. I mean, I am not a parent, so I do not understand what that's like. Um, and I'm going to practice what Pastor Steve said last week. No judgment. No judgment. But can we just admit it looks funny? You know what I mean? I mean, it looks funny. But that's a good thing, though. I'm going to make sure my kid doesn't run away. Control what we can. Doing our part in making sure that nobody gets obliterated with hurt is okay. That's fine. That's not what Jesus is saying. See, Jesus is saying, don't worry. So what's the difference between that and worrying? Well, worry, worry happens when the uncertainty is out of our hands. When we lose complete control. When there is nothing we can do. When the problem is bigger than our capabilities. That's when we fall into worry. And we start to dwell in that prison called anxiety. And you're locked up. The word that Matthew uses to describe what Jesus is teaching about here, worry, literally translates into anxious and distracted. It's a distraction. It keeps you from focusing on the, on the task at hand. It keeps you from accomplishing anything. See, when, we're, when we worry, nothing good happens. Because we're stuck. Because we're not doing anything. Worry is unproductive. But it's something that we get stuck in. Recently, the, the United Kingdom came out with a study. And it said that of, amongst their people, 
Each person spends two and a half hours each week worrying. By the end of their life, they have spent six and a half years worrying. Jesus tells us in, this, in the gospel passage for this morning, Matthew chapter 6, he tells us worrying isn't adding a day to your life. And let me paraphrase here. Worrying is a royal waste of time because not only are you not adding a day to your life, you're taking time away. What ends up being, it ends up being years off of your life. Worrying doesn't do anything. It doesn't accomplish anything. For example, this week I was with our junior high students in Okaboji, Iowa. Uh, I took them down to a Bible camp and one of the days I needed to step away and so I went to a coffee shop to work on the sermon actually. And when I got there, everything was fine. Everything seemed normal. I used the restroom. About a minute later, I come out, and everything that was normal suddenly is not. It looks like outside as if someone is spraying a fire hose at the window. I mean, it is storming. It is pouring outside. And then the lightning starts to strike, and the thunder is rolling, and then the tornado sirens turn on. And then on the radio, you start to hear, oh, a tornado actually touched down about two miles from where I'm at right now. This is getting pretty chaotic. This is something I probably can't handle. Now, to make matters worse, it was only me and three other people in the shop. The three other people were the employees of the shop, and they were teenage girls, probably no older than 16. And two of them are bawling their eyes out. <laughs> now, you might think, okay, Danny, yeah, you work in youth ministry. That, I, be, I bet that you took, you took that opportunity. I actually was kind of debating, do I stick in here or do I go outside and deal with this tornado on my own? Because honestly, neither seems that great. Hard decision. I just, I, I, bad day. <laughs> bad day. They're worrying so much. They're scared. They were drowning in their anxiety, and I wasn't doing much more. I mean, I was, I was worried about the awkwardness of the situation. I wasn't helping. But then there's the third employee at the shop. She pulls out her phone. I hear her say into it, Hey, Dad, I need you right now. Within minutes, despite the incredible storm happening outside, her dad comes bursting in the door, runs to her, holds her. And as soon as he comes in, she's now bawling too. But he holds her. And let me kind of paraphrase what he says, but I know. I know. I'm here got you. Like She was afraid, but she didn't let her worry consume her. She chose trust over worry, and she was comforted. She knew that she could trust this father that loved her, this father that would protect her, this father that offered safety, this father that cares for her. She could trust that. So she called to him. What do you do when you're worried, when you're scared? Do you drown in the worry or do you call to a father who loves you? And, and I get it. it. You say, okay, Danny, that's great. Your dad took care of you and this father took care of this girl. <laughs> but what does that have anything to do with God? <laughs> 
Because God, yes, is called this fatherly figure. But I, if what you're saying about God is true, then he is all-knowing. Then he is everywhere. And he is all-powerful. So explain to me this. If he has those capabilities, why do bad things happen to us? How can I trust a God like that? How am I supposed to not worry? Don't misunderstand God. Don't misunderstand who he is. But you don't get it. I live in this world. I see what happens. I'm worried about money because the economy can crash. And it has crashed. I'm worried about my marriage because divorce does happen. I'm worried about my safety because we live in a place that has people who are sick enough, caught up in their hatred, to shoot up a nightclub. A people who are innocent. God, why should I trust you? Don't misunderstand God. Don't misunderstand who he is and what he does. See, God doesn't stay far away. God comes in real close. When those tragedies happen, when people mess up, just kind of like fathers sometimes fall short, obviously in much more extreme ways, well, God shows up. And you can trust him to take care of you. You can trust him that he will be there. And you can trust him that he's powerful enough to be bigger than your storms, to be bigger than your issues, to be bigger than the gash on your forehead. He's strong enough for that. And he's there. Jesus says, Look at the birds. Look at the birds. Come on, we're talking about my worries here, and you're, you're, you're distracted by the birds? Oh, we got a point here. Look at the birds. They don't reap or sow, they don't have a worry in the world. I mean, seriously, look at what they do. They have their baby birds, and a few days later, they kick them out of the nest and say, fly! You know what I mean? Like, that's because that's the noise a bird makes. Tweet, tweet. Goodness. Old MacDonald had a farm on this farm. Bird, tweet. They don't worry about anything, and they're provided for. It's not worry that gets you things. Don't misunderstand that just because when you're careful for something, that just because you, you, were, you were protective over someone, or because you took caution when that helped, when the situation's bigger than you and there's nothing you can do, worry doesn't do the same thing. It doesn't translate like that. You end up sitting in a coffee shop bawling your eyes out, crying, unable to trust. But God wants you to trust him because God can take care of it. He will take care of it. The birds are taken care of and you are so much more valuable than that. I mean, really, think about that. Are you more valuable than birds? Absolutely. You are the one made in God's image. When God sent his son to this earth, he didn't send his son to this earth in the form of a bird to save birds. 
He sent his son in this earth as a man to save us. We can count on that. When we don't know what the end of our story is, we can trust him that he knows and leave it to him. I'm not going to worry. He knows. He knows. Because in every tragedy that you've had, in everything that's made you worry, he was there. I'm here. I'm here. I got you. Every time. And that's so important because there are a lot of problems in this world that are bigger than us. I talked about my dad a little bit ago. And he, I mean, he's, this guy is my hero. I mean, my hero. I look up to him more than I look up to anybody on the planet. And, and in my opinion, it's for good reason. He's my hero. He saves the day for me. But even our heroes are limited. Even our heroes have things that they can't control. See, a few years ago, my dad was diagnosed with atrial fib. Uh, atrial fib, fibrillation, fibrillation, afib. It's where your heart doesn't beat like boom, 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 boom. Instead, it's a little more jazzy, you know, boom, 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 boom. I'm adding in cymbal noises, but you get the gist. Now, he had an interesting case, and he lives down in Des Moines with my mom, and, and the doctors there said, no, you've got, you've got a funny case. We'd like to send you up to Mayo Clinic because I think that they're a little more specialized in this. It, now, typically, you don't want to hear from a doctor, you've got a funny case. You've got an interesting case, one that we're not necessarily familiar with. But trust the doctors. Not going to worry. Go up to Mayo. And they decide for good reason we're going to do a surgery to get your heart back in rhythm. To take care of you. And so the surgery comes and, and uh, my brother and sister and I, we all show up. My mom's there. Um, he has the surgery and sure enough, he comes out and his heart is boom, 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 boom. Perfect. This is great. Storm passed. Good to go. It was maybe three, five hours later. Boom, 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 boom. You have to listen to that, that beeping noise. <laughs> beep, 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 beep. Are you kidding me? Are you serious? I thought this was supposed to help him. I thought that this was supposed to fix the problem. I thought this was supposed to make his uncertain future certain again. What's the deal? Come on, God. You know, oftentimes I tell stories kind of as metaphors to maybe help explain something, but this, this is no metaphor. This is, this was my back and forth with Jesus in the moment. Exactly how it was. No representation. This is what it, this is exactly what it was. God, where, where are you right now? I, I thought this was supposed to help him. Now that wasn't the end of it. After that, another doctor comes in and he says, hey, by the way, when we were doing this surgery, we realized a problem. You have a hole in your heart. Well, that's not good. Another doctor comes in. Hey, for whatever reason, they were doing a scan on his head. 
we think that we might be noticing an aneurysm on your brain. Excuse me? Another doctor comes in. At one point, there were like five doctors outside of our hospital room. Another doctor comes in. Hey, we think that you're showing symptoms of a, of a certain syndrome, and the life expectancy for this syndrome is 40. He was 49. Well, we're going to try to find out if you have it. People have asked me to try to explain it. What was that like? And I think a lot of you probably know what that's like to be in that situation. Darkest moment of my life. By far. Most uncertain moment of my life. The most I've ever worried. Because I finally realized that my hero, he was not invincible. That my hero could suffer. That my hero could get sick. That my hero had issues I didn't even know about. My hero had problems bigger than him. I'm sitting there at the foot of his bed and I said, do you know what it's like to see your hero like that? Down? And then there's my mom. She can't, she's not even holding it together at this point. That breaks my heart. My brother, who's the bravest person I know, he can't say a word. My sister, who smiles more than anyone I know, you couldn't have lifted her cheeks at that point. And I'm just sitting at the foot of the bed. Oh, enough is enough. And we tried all the fixes. We tried to put on his favorite TV show to make him laugh. We tried to put on a NASCAR race to make him entertain. We tried to put on his favorite music. We tried to tell jokes. None of it worked. The problem was too big. So I was stuck in worry. And my dad pulls out his Bible. And I didn't know what he was reading at the time, but I eventually found out because uh, he bookmarked it. And I'm nosy like that. And, uh, and to this day, he still has it bookmarked. I mean, he reads his Bible all the time, but this page is permanently bookmarked. And he reads it every day. When you start to wonder, God, do you care? Do you understand? He opens up to Mark chapter 4. As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind. But soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat and began to fill with water. Storms. You know what those are like, right? Storms. Bigger than us problems. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat. You know that feeling? Hello? <laughs> the disciples woke him up shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? Come on, God, I'm in trouble here. Don't you care? Are you going to show up for me yet? When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, 
silence. Be still. Silence. Be still, storm. Silence. Be still, waves. Silence. Be still, problems of the 21st century. Yes, we face problems that are bigger than us. But we worship a God that is bigger than our problems. Because our problems are bound by this world. Our problems are bound right here. But God is in this world, but not of this world. Jesus is in your boat. The Son of God, who has the authority to stand up to the waves in a storm and say, Peace, be still, and they listen. That's who's on your side. That's who's with you. Thank you, Jesus, for being that in our lives. My dad reads that passage, he closes his Bible, and not even three minutes later, beep, 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 steady, beep, again, beep, 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 constant, the nurse comes running in, you're in rhythm! She was so excited, it made my day. God's bigger than the problems of this world. God's bigger than the problems of your health. God's bigger than your financial burdens. God's bigger than your marriage problems. God's bigger than your family dynamics that don't seem to work out. God's bigger than your 401k. God's bigger. And he can take care of you. Don't get me wrong, there will be problems. <laughs> Remember at the beginning of the message here? There's problems everywhere in every aspect of life. Jesus says, in this world, you will have trouble. In this world, you will have trouble. In this world, good news for you, I'm not of this world. And because you're my kid, neither are you. Yes, you will have troubles. Yes, you will have problems. I wish I could say that my dad never had another health issue and he's been completely in rhythm ever since. But two years after that first surgery, he had to have a second surgery. But he's not worried. He knows who's in his boat. He knows that the problems of this world are not as big as his God. Do you know that? Do you believe that? Do you trust that? Worry is a waste. But trusting in God, the one who's bigger in this world and still loves us to send his son to save us, you can trust that God. Choose trust. Don't waste your time with worry. That is a good father. That is a perfect father. Protection, safety, care for you, and able to take care of it all. That's our father. 
our hero's hero, our father's father. That's who we worship. Do you trust him? I pray that you do. I pray that I can get better at it. Because that's part of a good and beautiful life. Worry is not. I want to trust God. He's bigger than the problems of this world. Saying, I am here. I am here in your boat, and I got you. Let's pray. Father, we, uh, we thank you for being a protection, for being our safety, our refuge, for caring for us. God, in the midst of our troubles, when we're scared, encourage us not to worry. Encourage us to trust you instead. You who can wipe away our problems, but most importantly, you who knows the end of our story. You're the author of it. You take care of us because you are a good father and good fathers take care of their children. Thank you for making us your children. Amen.